My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Craig Crossland is a professor and senior associate dean in the College of Business at the University of Notre Dame. Craig completed his undergraduate degree in Australia, his master's degree in Ireland, and his PhD in the U.S. His research on business executives has been covered in numerous national publications, such as The Atlantic, CNBC, Harvard Business Review, NPR, The Wall Street Journal, and The Washington Post, among others. Craig is also an incredible leader, as I worked under him for three years at Notre Dame. I hope you enjoy learning from Craig Crossland, because I always do. Craig, it's so great to catch up with you today. Uh, I was thinking about you last week when I was teaching my leadership class, and we were talking about ways that leaders can motivate employees. And one of the ways uh, that they can do that is by recognizing other people. And when I uh, was first offered the job at Notre Dame, one of the first things you did before I had accepted is you included me on a weekly newsletter that just recognized people for or recognized employees for their contributions. And you may talk about this today, uh, but I wanted to let you know that that really made me welcome and, and part of the Notre Dame family. And then the other thing that just really surprised me about you and Notre Dame were the number of people that told me that you were awesome. And <laughs> it, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not just telling you this because I'm interviewing you. It was really kind of odd because I'm, I'm you know, I've been offered the job at Notre Dame and I'm just trying to decide. I'd had a, another competing offer and I'm trying to decide where to go. And everybody I talked to was just like, Craig is awesome. Craig is awesome. Craig is awesome. It's like, okay, well, that's cool. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to be working with Craig too much, but I'm really happy to know that Craig is awesome. And anyway, I end up going to Notre Dame. You were awesome. Uh, you were incredible to work for, uh, even though I didn't, you know, we didn't do research together. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm so grateful for the chance I have to chat with you today. And uh, you are awesome. So thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks. What a what a beautiful introduction. That that's uh, I, I'm honored and humbled. Uh, I uh, I really appreciate that. I mean, you made us a whole lot better than than we made you, and I'm, <laughs> I'm delighted that you did join us when you did. Uh, it's uh, it's nice to know that all of those bribes that I gave out over the yeah. years have come back successfully. That you don't want to be wasting department money. It, it sure. don't. But if you do, you should waste it so that people say that you're awesome. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's that's really thoughtful of you. I'm. Uh, it's an honor to to be here. Um, I I don't think I have anything of uh, of deep uh, deep wisdom or value, but I can certainly tell you my own experiences with this. And I really liked the question. Uh, it uh, initially when you you sent the email, I thought, oh yeah, okay, I can think about that. And then I was in the shower after that word, and I was thinking, wow, there really is a lot to that. Uh, and it uh, you know a lot of the answers to this, like what's um, what are some under underappreciated lessons? They can be very trite. And yeah. uh, like you know, get up early in the morning, get get stuff done. Uh, but it's a it's a really deep question, um, and it's a very thoughtful one. So uh, I I'm grateful to you for uh, helping me think through this. As a like you, I'm sure I, I don't sort of stop and smell the roses enough. And it was uh, it was nice to process that, even if I don't think I have anything sort of especially deep to share. But going through that myself is really valuable. So I'm grateful to you. Well, I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say, and and you've had a successful career, 
as a teacher, researcher, and administrator. So as you think back on, on your career, I would love to hear two or three of these simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned that you'd most like to pass along to others. Sure. Thanks. And thanks again for the, the opportunity. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the newsletter. Uh, that That's something I stumbled into, but that is, a, I think, a manifestation of probably the, the key lesson that I've learned. Uh, and it's the just the value of uh, genuine, honest recognition. Uh, when I so I, I won't sort of talk about lessons I've learned over the course of my life because it's probably a little long, but I can talk about some of the lessons I learned when I was in a leadership role. I should maybe explain that I took on that that job, uh, the department chair, maybe a little earlier than I should have, or a little earlier than people typically would. I started as chair the the day I got tenure, so I didn't really have the, the you know I know <laughs> uh, I didn't really have the background uh, or the experience to, to do that job. And so uh, I had studied leadership, as, as you do, and I thought, well, maybe this is an opportunity to treat it as a bit of a laboratory, some of the things that I've read about, maybe even what we're teaching about. And so one of the, the things that, that comes up a lot in the OB literature is this idea of recognition. You know, you, you want to, uh, there's, there's sort of a paradox, you want people to feel that they're integral members of a group, but that they also stand out in some way with it within a group. Uh, and so uh, I didn't really know what was going on in the department or in the college. And I thought, well, the best way to do that is to write it down. Is And so I, I set myself an ambitious goal. I said, all right, one, once a week on Fridays, I'm just going to send out a short note to people saying, uh, this is what's going on. I, uh, I called it uh, somewhat pompously MO uh, achievements of the week initially, and then shifted to activities of the week because I thought it should be more broad than that. And when I started out with just a, a couple of points saying, you know, so-and-so has got a paper accepted and someone's gone to this conference and uh, something good happened in a class. And then over time, it kind of grew as I, I learned more about what was going on. And people started coming to me with things saying, oh, you know, have you have you heard that, that this colleague, they, they were involved in this really cool experiential learning opportunity for students. Um, and sometimes people would write little pieces for me that I could include. And so it gradually it built over the years. Uh, I think by the time I finished as chair, I'd done about 200 of them. Uh, I'm in a different administrative role now. I'm an associate dean. And I've started a new version of this. It's a, a sort of a, a Mendoza programs newsletter. And the, the aim is the same. The aim is just uh, it's to recognize people for the good work that they're already doing. Uh, I came to appreciate, uh, and I think this was an underappreciated lesson for me. I think I had approached uh, maybe my, my job, maybe my life with more of a, an instrumental view, which was, you, know, you needed to incentivize people to do things. Uh, and I've come to almost do a 180 on that. I think we're very fortunate that we work at institutions. We're in an environment where people are almost entirely self-motivated. They want to do things themselves. They have a ton of energy and, and a lot of interest. And so that makes our job as leaders relatively easy. All we've got to do is get out of the way, provide some resources as necessary, and then recognize them for, for doing the great work they are. And so I found with the, the newsletter, that was what it was for. It was just to, to say, uh, what you're doing is really good. You're helping us. Uh, and it's, uh, it was a simple, but it turned out to be a very powerful way to do it. I, I lost count of the number of times people would reach out to me, uh, either at the time or subsequently saying, look, I appreciated you recognizing what I was doing. And these people were going to continue to do this anyway. 
And it wasn't that I had changed this, but I was given uh, a, uh, an opportunity or a forum to be able to, to point to them and say, look at this, this is cool. It had some knock-on effects as well in that other people who read that, they felt like more as part of a community. So I think the people who were recognized, they they felt that was nice. Um, the others thought, oh, well, I'm, I'm more part of this community because I know what's going on. And also others who were unsure about how to spend their time, they saw opportunities that they could dive into. I think there was there's a number of things that we've done business on the front lines here with uh, with Viva Bartkus and her group that are you know truly transformative programs. And people, not everybody can do that, but people can look at things like that and say, well, this is how I'm going to make a difference here. And so sometimes it can create uh, ideas or advice or opportunity for, for people to do. So yeah, at heart, uh, maybe the the single best lesson I've learned as a uh, in my leadership role as an administrator is uh, genuine, honest, legitimate recognition has uh, almost untold benefits. There's almost no downside, and there's a there's a very small percentage of people who you know maybe who are lazy or who are mendacious or who are political uh, and recognition might reinforce those traits i think that's a tiny percentage of people and so i think there's uh you know, if, if collateral damage is occasionally you recognize somebody who you know you perhaps you shouldn't be i think that's okay because of the sort of the, the vast benefit that you have by by recognizing those who truly do deserve it uh, and it's something that uh, i think we can all do better i can certainly do better every day I didn't know that background on, yeah. on the newsletter. So that's cool for me to learn. And I love this uh, phrase from Charlie Munger, uh, partner to Warren Buffett. He says, take a simple idea and take it seriously. Yeah. And <clears throat> recognition is a simple idea. I'm teaching it in my leadership class. And it's just like, you know, recognize others. And I try to talk about how important it is. And it's hard. It, it's unless I, I feel like unless you were a part of that newsletter or unless you've been part of an organization where you've been recognized to this degree, it is really hard to appreciate. I mean, talk about underappreciated. It is really hard to appreciate how powerful this was. So I just think it's so cool to hear you say that. Uh, the power of recognition, as you learned through your experimentation uh, yeah. and through your continued dedication, 200 weekly emails plus. Uh, yeah, I just love hearing that. And, and that's a lesson that I'm going to take away for the rest of my life of how powerful recognition can be. So yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Sure. Did you have any other lessons? I mean, you're already off to an, an incredible <laughs> start, Craig. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's as good as I can get. Um, now, one of the things I, I really liked about your question that uh, I thought was one of the many levels of insightful about it was just the word underappreciated. And that helped me think through as well. And I realized that one of the lessons, and I, I suppose I hadn't articulated it until I, I saw your, your question, was a lesson I've learned uh, is that when you go into an environment, there's always a group or groups who are un underappreciated there, just because of you know, the nature of humanity, who we are, um, structural challenges or cultural issues or whatever. Uh, there's always a group that is unfairly underappreciated. I mean, we see a lot of this in the world, and, and you can't fix everything. I, I certainly can't fix everything. Oh, I could barely fix anything in, in our department, let alone the world. But what I learned was 
I could focus on the underappreciated groups. And you can think explicitly, well, why are they underappreciated? What can I potentially do to affect that structurally or culturally or from a process perspective, uh, individually, personally, what can, what can I do? And so there's a couple of versions of that. And you, you, uh, you know academia really well. And so you know that there's uh, maybe not a schism, but there, there's definitely a, a, a distinction between tenure line faculty and teaching faculty. And that's, I don't know whose fault it is, but that's just a thing that exists in our field. And the teaching faculty are underappreciated and unfairly so. I mean, they, uh, if, if anything, they do far more than I think we uh, tenure line faculty do. But irrespective of the source of this, that's a, a group that I think one needs more recognition, but two, uh, as a as a leader, I thought there are groups who are all were already going to be fine, and I can spend a little less time there, and I, I gain gain more bang for my buck by focusing on these underrepresented groups. So one a version of this, uh, maybe you would have seen when we did recruiting. Uh, often there's what is sometimes I think very poorly called the trailing spouse issue. So there's there's somebody that we're we're going after as a candidate. Um, and we want them for our particular department. And if you live in Chicago or if you live in a big city, then maybe it's not that hard to find uh, gainful employment or sort of a, a, a life opportunity for, for the partner. N nearly always somebody is traveling, not just on their own, but with, with their family, uh, sometimes with kids. And so when I started uh, being responsible for recruiting, I, I learned about this and I realized it's the, the what I call the accompanying spouse that was always underappreciated. And I thought, well, what what can I do about this? We we need to go after the candidate. We've got to show show them some love. We've got to show them why they would want to be here. But I came to appreciate that in many situations, you've already sold the candidate. The, the if if they're coming on on campus, if they're going to give a talk, they just want to be convinced. But they're not going to be convinced by me. They're going to be convinced by this by the partner. And so over the last few years, I lent in more and more to the the, the accompanying spouse. Uh, and it got to the point where I would play a little game with myself to try and get the candidate feeling jealous because I was spending so much time with the the, the, the spouse. Uh, you remember when we were uh, recruiting Cindy Muir. So this is a, an outstanding, you know, world-class scholar. Uh, and it was clear she wanted to be here. Uh, her husband, Chris Muir, who's also an excellent scholar, is a teaching faculty member. We didn't have a teaching faculty role. And so initially we were just going to have to hire Cindy and or make an offer to Cindy and, and hope that Chris and the family would come. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to slightly ignore Cindy and I'm going to focus completely on Chris. And so I, I worked pretty closely with our associate dean. We tried to create and we ended up being able to create a new position for, for Chris. Uh, he wanted he was doing an administrative role at Texas A&M. So we tried to find a new administrative role here that would work. And at one point, uh, Chris had told me that Cindy reached out or said to him one day, you know, I, I feel like Craig's spending more time with you than with me. I thought, good, you know, we're, we're, we're doing it right here. Uh, in the end, we were lucky that we were able to, to make things work. And you can't always make things work. Sometimes it doesn't work out as a Pollyanna way like that. But uh, often it does when you, you sort of shift your focus a little bit and uh, try and show those who are under, underappreciated that they deserve the same level of, you know, of attention and, and care and, and love. Uh, and now I think as a college, as a department, we are much better. So Cindy is here, who's awesome. Chris is also superb. I work with Chris in my current role. Chris is the head of our Master of Science and Management program. 
uh, and so I'm associate dean for academic programs. And so now, because of how I dealt with my recruiting a few years ago, I think my job is easier now uh, because Chris is in that role. So the I guess the broader lesson I would take is when I'm in a situation, I try to be explicit about thinking of, well, which groups are more appreciated and which are underappreciated or undervalued, perhaps? Uh, and are there things that we can do on a on a day to day or broader basis to to try and address that? Yeah, just as you started in on this lesson, you recognized me for the depths of the question. Now, if there is any depth to the question, it's it's more deep than I intended, I'm sure. And you found it probably more interesting than I ever intended. But that's yeah. you just having a habit of recognizing people. So I, I appreciate that. And then I love this idea of, well, who should we recognize? And yeah, let's recognize everybody. But where can we get the most bang for the buck? Well, people who really could use it and, and aren't appreciated. And I will say, when I uh, was offered the job at Notre Dame, uh, I don't know if you had, you know, I don't I don't think you met with my wife, Keisha, uh, but she really wanted to go to Notre Dame. And oh. so whether through the newsletter or just interactions that... Um, we had or your emails, uh, you were able to reach her as well. Nice. And she really wanted to come. So that, that's such a and such a cool story to hear about uh, Chris and Cindy as well. So uh, yeah. any other or, or any final lesson that you'd like to share before we wrap up? <laughs> so there's just one small one. It's kind of a minor thing. And I struggle to find a way to present this in a way that's not trite or just sort of hyper intuitive. But you, you always read about uh, you know, it's not our failures or our challenges, it's how we deal with them. And I agree with that, of course. You know, we're in academia, uh, we, we need some resilience. You certainly don't have a, uh, a record like you do without, without dealing with some challenges. Uh, and you obviously bounce back again and again. And I've, I've seen how you deal with R&Rs and uh, these can be challenging and there needs to be some of that. I learned sort of a, a slightly nuanced version of that in that even when you feel like you're facing challenges, sometimes you can help those around you uh, by uh, by projecting an air that uh, sort of reflects what people would like to see a little bit more. So it's not quite the fake it till you make it, but it's uh, even when you feel like you're under a lot of stress, sometimes you know, your group is also under a lot of stress. And so you can benefit them by, uh, you know, by, by displaying some calm, even if you don't necessarily feel it. I was thinking about this when uh, you were still with us when uh, COVID happened, weren't you? Yeah. Was that, yeah. Your, that was your yeah. last year? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you remember what it was like here. It was March 2020, and there were all of these ideas and the, these, these sort of scurryings in the world that, well, things were going to happen. This was bad. We, we were going to have to make changes. And then it was, oh, wow, this really is serious. And it became clear that we had to move everything online in a week. And so... You know, I was responsible for all of the teaching in the department or to make sure it happened. And so I, my first response was panic. I thought, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> that we, we can't do this. This just isn't going to be possible. And so I ran around with my head falling for a little while. And then I thought, OK, well, how would it help others if they saw me react? Well, it isn't going to help if I'm if I'm panicking here. So I stopped and thought, well, what, what would be a good way to, to, to reflect a little bit of calm? So I sent out a note to everybody, uh, which maybe 
uh, you you remember it was very very long it's very detailed and it was first point was don't panic we're going to be okay we'll we'll be fine we're, we're going to get together and figure this out together you're you're teaching evaluations they don't matter you're going to have a lot of discretion and it was the sort of things i thought it would be helpful if i heard from from somebody that was that was in my role um and I sent it off and I was astonished at the, the response, like lots of people saying, oh, thanks for that. I really appreciate it. I was I was worried and now I feel a bit better about this. And, you know, it's COVID, so I can't fix COVID. But I think I was able to help a little bit by displaying some calm that I didn't have. Uh, and, you know, I feel like I'm not someone who naturally is very sanguine or even keeled, but I've heard from others that they feel like I am. And so I think a leadership lesson I learned is, even if you don't feel that way yourself, it's helpful to try and portray that because then others are calm and then, you know, you, you get the benefit of their calm coming in. So it's not quite as good as the first two leadership lessons, but it was uh, it's something that I've come to appreciate over the years. Yeah, this is something I want to focus on. And as you started describing it, it made me think of the Kansas National Championship basketball game this last year. Kansas. Congratulations, um, by the way. Yeah, thank you. I have a T-shirt that says I'm a national champion, so no. <laughs> yeah, nobody can take that away from me. Um, so Kansas was ahead by one with a few seconds left, and North Carolina had the ball. And there's this shot of Ochai Abaji, Kansas All-American uh, basketball player, during the timeout where they're about ready to take the floor. You know, this this determines the national championship, and he's laughing. And you know, I thought, like, how cool is that that he's mm -hmm. showing everybody that this moment's not too big for him and he's enjoying it. Like, and and it, then it made me think of, uh, I was talking to a military leader uh, a few months ago and I kind of asked him some version of this question. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what have you learned from the military? And he said, you got to be cool on the radio. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love this. I, ha I haven't thought about it as much ex explicitly as uh, you did, but I'm really going to try to incorporate this. Anytime I find myself in a stressful situation, I'm going to try and display that happiness, that laughter that Abaji did, cool on the radio. And then, like you said, just project calmness and let everybody know we're going to get through this. So, Craig, I, I could listen to you for hours, I, but I know you're very busy. I really appreciate the thoughtfulness that went into these lessons. I'm going to try to apply these. I'm going to share these with my students, with my children. Uh, I just, I love these lessons. Thanks so much for taking your time to come on today. I appreciate your kindness, your leadership, your friendship, wishing you all the best. And, and just again, thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's a, an honor to be on and thank you for doing this. Uh, you uh, you really do make all of us better by uh, by this podcast and by these leadership lessons. You've made me better by making me think about this and I wouldn't have otherwise. And uh, I know you're, you're multiplying yourself uh, in, in this way. So thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. If anyone has ever nailed the theme of simple, practical, and underappreciated, Craig Crossland just did. I absolutely love the lessons he just shared. First, genuine, honest recognition has almost untold benefits. People want to feel part of a group, but they also want to stand out, and recognizing them for their contributions accomplishes both. Many of the people we're surrounded by are self-motivated, so it's our job to make sure they have enough resources and then just get out of the way and recognize them for the great work they're doing. I said it during the interview, but I think it's worth repeating here. Unless you've been part of an organization that effectively recognized people for their contributions via a weekly newsletter or some other way, it is so easy to underappreciate just how valuable this is.
Second, as we try to constantly recognize others for their contributions, we should especially look to recognize those people who are underappreciated. Everyone wants to be recognized and appreciated, but some people will naturally feel more appreciated than others, so we can get the biggest bang for our buck by showing the accompanying spouse and other underappreciated people that they deserve the same level of attention, care, and love as everyone else. And finally, when we're stressed out and panicked, others are likely feeling the same way, so we can help them by projecting an air of calm by staying cool on the radio, so to speak. Staying calm won't fix COVID, but we can help people in some small way by displaying calm that we may not have ourselves. And having worked under Craig at Notre Dame during COVID, I can say that his example was calming and inspiring. Craig is one of the most effective leaders I have ever worked for, and I loved getting a glimpse into his approach to leadership. Recognize others and stay calm. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously. <laughs>